0: Check, one, two, check, check, yo! Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host, Charlie McCarran, and I'm decidedly not as cool as our guest on this episode, Pete James Johnson, probably the best drummer I know. In addition to being a fantastic jazz drummer, Pete started sampling old records for his loop-based music project called Elephane, and we talk about his process for making these beats. It's really restricting, actually, but I kind of like that in a way
1: that I'm only allowed to use these 16 sounds and you just have to pick and choose where they go. I usually never line up my sounds exactly to like a grid. I don't want it to sound perfect. I just kind of want it to sound more human.
0: Pete also talks about how he's recently rethought his drumming. He now tries to think more compositionally when he's coming up with a drum solo. And I thought it was really cool how he talked about making melodies with a drum kit.
1: I'm trying to move towards hearing the melody in my head as I play the drum solo. And play around that so that the listener knows where you are in the tune, even though you're just playing solo drums. There's a really great drummer in New York named Ari Honig, who literally plays melodies on drums. He bends
0: the drum with his elbow. So we'll get to hear a bunch of Pete's music from his Elephane release and from his jazz album, Parallels. I'll have links to all the music we talk about, along with all the Composer Quest episodes at ComposerQuest.com. So now, on to my talk with Pete James Johnson. I'm here in the basement of Pete James Johnson. His drum heaven, really. <laughs> Two drum sets set up. Lots and lots of cymbals. Too many, really. <laughs> Pete is just a crazy good jazz drummer how much of your drumming would you say comes from instinct or how much do you think consciously about it
1: uh for a long time actually i drummed just by instinct because i spent a long time working on technique and just like hours and hours in the practice room developing my chops and So that would kind of come out in my performance sometimes in that I would just play on autopilot sometimes, it would feel like. And I would just play by natural first reaction of what my arms and legs knew, quote. For a long time, I would just play like that. Recently, though, I've been trying to actually think more compositionally when I play or to actually play melodies on drums I guess when I'm playing especially like if I'm playing a drum solo or something you know which which is harder to do in fact most of the time it comes out simpler the stuff that I play but it's harder to play cuz I have to think about it so much yeah you know
0: how would you describe how you come up with a melody on a drum set sometimes it actually happens by mistake most of the time actually
1: I'll play something, something super simple, like two to three notes, maybe four, but four at the most. And if I like it, I'll develop it. And if I don't, I'll just play something else. And that decision usually happens in like less than a second. Sometimes I just play something random. And then if it sounds good to me or something, I'll, I'll try to develop it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, that, it's amazing to me how you can think that fast. Um, like within a second, you can analyze something.
1: I don't know if I would call it analyzing, but, <laughs> but I don't know. It's just a, it's just a gut decision.
0: about form in a drum solo or something like that.
1: Usually I'm mindful of the form of the song that I'm playing in. For example, if I'm playing like a jazz standard, most jazz standards, like bebop tunes, are in A-A-B-A form. And for my solo, well, I guess, let me say this, I used to count bars during my drum solos. And I would just count as many bars there were in the tune and then just like play stuff over them, I guess, or in them. And, you know, that's fine. It works. But now I'm trying to move towards hearing the melody in my head as I play the drum solo. And sometimes I'll even quote the melody in my drum solo if I can somehow and play around that so that the listener knows where you are in the tune, even though you're just playing solo drums, you know, there's no pitches going on necessarily, so it's easy to get lost. But I'm trying to figure out how to make it obvious that okay, here's where we are in the form, here's where we are in the tune.
0: Maybe you could um, do a little sample of what you're talking about. Sure. Like maybe I got, you know, I got rhythm. I got rhythm.
1: And so the melody of I Got Rhythm could be translated like this. (laughs) Something like that, right? But sometimes when I'm soloing, I'll try to play that melody and develop it into something else, basically, but still stemming from the original melody. If I'm going to play something in maybe this tempo... good but when i'm playing when i'm playing i still have the melody in my head and the form in my head too so that i know where we are in the song a really good drummer to check out who does stuff like this is max roach who even like writes songs on just drum set or there's a really great drummer in new york named ari honig who literally plays melodies on drums not just kind of emulates them but he actually plays the correct pitches of songs on the drums how big is this set? It's just a four-piece drum set, just like this. Huh. How does he
0: get the
1: exact pitches? Uh, well, he tunes his drums specifically. I'm not sure exactly to what pitches they are, but I, he also bends the drum with his elbow. He might do you know, something like this to get higher pitches. He does it on the toms too. And he can move around the kid in such a way where he just literally plays the melody of his song on the drums. It's, yeah, amazing.
0: Huh, cool. Yeah. Well, we have a fan question for you from Nick Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Who's okay. wondering, um, how do you compose rhythms and grooves? Ironically, it actually usually starts not on drums.
1: When I'm composing, I usually sit at the piano. Or sometimes bass, like I'll usually start with a bass line or a set of chords. But the thing is, when I'm sitting at the piano, I think like a drummer but compose at the piano. I'm a terrible pianist, but I think I sort of have a grasp on interesting rhythms that I could apply to simple chord changes.
0: Do you translate it to like, the kick is your lowest bass note? Symbols are like the higher notes? Do you think that way when you're at the piano? Uh, Or isn't it quite like that?
1: Kind of, yeah. Well, if I'm composing like a bass line, then yeah, I'm also mindful of the kick drum because obviously it is like the low note of the drums. I also think about the drums being long or short sounds. I take all that into account when I'm writing a groove. Snare drum is a short sound to me but you can do rolls to make it as long as you want. There's even places in between the two where you can play like a really short roll before a a short note. And sometimes people do that when they're playing grooves too. And in the kick drum, you can kind of get a long sound when you have nothing inside just by hitting it and taking your foot off the drum pedal. It's a little longer than normal, but you can also just bury the drum beater into the drum head and get a really short sound if you want. For cymbals too, I I think of them as long sounds, especially when you crash a cymbal like this.
0: Thinking of drums and cymbals as long and short sounds, how do you work that into your compositions?
1: Depending on the song, usually I like to use those sounds to complement what's going on with the other musicians. For example, in the song Midnight Theory, there is a lot of long sounds that the horns are playing. this little part in the tune where it breaks down and there's not as much drum beat happening and I'm just sort of playing around on the cymbals, still providing rhythm, but it's this sustaining kind of shimmering sound. But sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes I'll play really short sounds to contrast the long sounds.
0: Well, maybe we could get into talking about your sample-based music, Elephane. Oh, sure, yeah. What inspired you to start that project?
1: Well, I'm kind of a big old-school hip-hop fan. Some of my favorite producers are like Jay Dilla, DJ Premier, Pete Rock, Large Professor, basically the group of producers that are like sample-based producers who sample records, basically, To create hip-hop beats and there's just something about that sound that I really love because a lot of the material they borrow from is like Motown and funk and old soul records which I also like and so I felt that and heard that in this music that they were making and I just like was really drawn to it and I wanted to try doing it myself and so I bought myself a sampler and grabbed some of my old records and stole some of my dad's records and, <laughs> and just kind of tried it out and went at it and came out with elephant. That's what happened. a snare drum on a record that I really liked, I just grab it, (laughs) you know, or a kick drum, whatever, it doesn't doesn't matter, anything, anything that sticks out to you, I just just like to grab.
0: Is it solely samples, or is it, were you recording drums and bass on that?
1: It's mostly samples, but I was also playing some instruments with it.
0: Like some guitar riffs? Yep, yeah, guitar riffs, bass,
1: a little bit of drums here and there, but even a lot of the drums are sample
0: I've tried that once or twice if I hear a sample that I think will be a cool loop but then I I kind of get lost and I listen to it over and over again and I try to come up with a cool beat but it doesn't really flow I don't know do you have any tips on creating good loops
1: Yeah for loops if you're going to make a loop I guess I like to look for something that's a little bit transparent Something that's not too too much going on in the music so that it's easy to manipulate it as much as you want so that you can add instruments or even take away some material from the loop, like if you wanted to filter out lower frequencies or something.
0: So it's just a small piece rather than if you heard it, you'd be like, oh, that's that song, obviously, yeah. or something like
1: that. And you know that's okay, too. There are some producers who basically just take a chunk of a famous song and then loop it. For example, the song Biggie's Big Papa, that is like a verbatim loop of the Isley Brothers between the sheets. Hmm. And I didn't realize that until I heard the Isley Brothers version. When you listen to the beginning of the song, you think it's Biggie, but Hmm. it's not. Yeah, it's really interesting.
0: Well, I do like what you do with your loops you pick. They're kind of you can't really understand what the vocals are it's like maybe half a word and i like that oh, it's kind of like it's a little choppy yeah well yeah not even choppy just i don't know what the compression you do or something about it it's like almost a different language <laughs>
1: The samples that I sample are usually no longer than in like a second. I'll just sometimes just grab like one little chunk, like literally one note or one beat of a song, and then I'll grab another little chunk, and then another little chunk, and then another little chunk, and I put them together right next to each other and try to make them flow seamlessly as one sound. And so all the little pieces, all the little samples together becomes a loop, I guess,
0: when you're constructing these sampled loops from these little pieces, how do you decide where they go within the measure? I don't
1: know. That's the fun part. You just kind of <laughs> you just play around until you figure that out. It's like a new experience every time. When what's strange about it is that the material is given to you already. You like have all the notes in front of you and you just have to pick and choose where they go. You know, it's not like you're composing at a piano and you have to figure out what notes you want to add in. All the sounds or, you know, quote notes are all there on the sampler. And then you just put them together in whatever sound sequence you like. In that way, it's really restricting, actually. But I kind of like that in a way that I'm only allowed to use these 16 sounds on these little pads or whatever and just, like, put them together whatever you like and make some music,
0: you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> hmm Well, I love that, too, when you, when you've got something recorded and then maybe you shift something half a beat and then suddenly it's a totally new feel.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously a lot of the feel from hip-hop comes from the drums, too. And so when I add in drums, I might change the feel up a little bit. I might add like a little bit of swing to it. or might add, make it like a little behind the beat just to make it a little more human feeling. And I, I usually never line up my sounds exactly to like a grid or anything like that. I, I don't want it to sound perfect. I just kind of want it to sound more human. That's one of the things I really, really like about Jay Dilla is that the drums he used in his production sound like a real drummer. They like sound like they're being played by a person, which is really cool. You know, not everybody does that or makes music that sounds like that. I mean, a lot of music is just kind of like really perfect.
0: Well, it's tempting as a producer to want to have everything lined up on the beat, but I just started thinking about how yeah real drummers do tend to maybe hang back on the beat or is there a system for that in jazz that I don't know about like do you hang back on beat 3 or yeah
1: it's it's kind of like that it's I I was told once that there is three ways to play time and that's the first way is behind the beat the second way is right on the beat and then the third way is uh, ahead of it a little bit but that doesn't mean that you're dragging or rushing it just means that you are playing just a little bit behind where that downbeat falls or where the pulse falls on you know and those three different ways of playing can create totally different feelings I mean you use them in different times too in, in all different kinds of music
0: you've been playing in a ton of groups around the cities it seems like What have been some of your favorite projects? Um, Well, I'm in a a new
1: band right now that Ted Godbout, a really great pianist, and I started together. Uh, It's called the Nexus Ensemble. It's a six-piece group, and we kind of do a soul, R&B, jazz, instrumental thing. So far, it's been one of my favorite groups I think I've ever been in. And it's a very new group. We haven't really played that much around town, but we just played a few clubs. But I really hope to play some more because it's really a lot of fun, and I love playing that kind of music.
0: When I was listening to your jazz album, and a lot of the tunes on there just caught my ear. Like, Girl from the West? Yeah. That one, I woke up and that, that riff was in my head, which is weird because it's kind of like an odd riff, I guess. I don't it know. Is. Did yeah. you compose that one?
1: Yes, I wrote that one. It's in 7,
0: the time signature. is like
1: 7, 8. And so, yeah, it's a little odd writing like a drum groove in that time. But it worked, somehow.
0: Are these songs on your jazz album? Did they come from, like, a jam session with the jazz group, or did you sit down and write them out first? I wrote them out. I sit at a
1: piano when I wrote those songs, and I had in mind the sound of the whole group, basically the sound of the trio. At least I tried to. I tried to hear the sound of the bass and tried to hear the sound of the drums in my head as I was writing it. And you never really know until it's, like, played, and you sort of hear your compositions come to life. And that's how it is for a lot of jazz musicians, really. They'll just sit down at one instrument and play it and and write it out on paper for every instrument. And they may be able to hear it, you know, in the computerized version, but it's not quite the same. So it was always weird, like, hearing my compositions come to life, because I spent a couple years writing some of those songs, and they sat on the shelf for a long time until I finally brought them to the group. And some of them didn't work, and I threw them out, and some of them kind of did. So I kept some and made a record.
0: Nice. Yeah, what did you learn from the ones that didn't work? Or What was it about them that didn't work for you? I think for some
1: of it, it was the orchestration. Because at the time, I was just working with a piano trio of piano, bass, and drums. And the sound I heard in my head, it wasn't coming out when I was just playing with that trio. I wanted something else I wanted a different timbre I wanted a different instrument or something you know I wanted horns or I wanted guitar and at the time I just couldn't get it so I threw him out (laughs) (laughs) or if it it was just
0: a bad song so (laughs) (laughs) I just threw it out well um (laughs) I mean writing for just a piano bass and drum trio seems like yeah, that would be so limiting almost but in a way probably even sometimes cooler than it, it is just that limited.
1: yeah yeah i think you're right it is limiting that there's only three people and three instruments but it also leaves a lot of room for more uh interesting improvisation <laughs> <laughs> more drums yeah no no, uh, well, yeah, that, that's another thing. I, I didn't want to make a record that was like a drum ego record or anything like that. I didn't want that. In fact, I kind of wanted to feature the other two musicians more because they're both way better than me. But uh, going back to what we were talking about before, having only three people, yes, it is sort of limiting, but it's also freeing to be more intimate with each other as musicians. And you're sort of forced to really listen to what the other guys are doing because you don't have a whole orchestra in front of you to hide behind. You don't have a huge band where you can just kind of get lost in and blend in and be forgotten about. It's just you three. And at times it's really taxing on your brain to constantly be in the music all the time and playing at such like a, a high level of improvisation. But it's really fun. On my record, I do have a couple covers on there. One of the songs I covered, actually, is sort of an unconventional cover, at least in the realm of jazz, and that is a Lady Gaga song. And I covered the song Judas. I don't know what, what it is about Lady Gaga, but I just love her. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that song, Judas. It's just so intense, and I just like want to dance every time I hear it.
0: thanks for joining me here Pete.
1: Thank you for having me Charlie.
0: Yeah Pete James Johnson. Pete James Johnson yep. You have to have three names in your name sometimes <laughs> so that you don't get confused. With right. Who all were you telling me about earlier? Uh, well there's a few
1: other Pete Johnsons I've been confused with. I've been confused with my father Peter Johnson who's also a great musician. There's a visual artist named Peter Johnson in Minnesota who I've been confused for. I've been confused for Pete Johnson, the drummer for the shoe band on Prairie Home Companion. I've been confused for Pete Johnson, the boogie-woogie pianist, who is now dead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's my talk with Pete James Johnson. For more of his music, you can go to PeteJamesJohnson.com. As always, feel free to comment and leave suggestions at Facebook.com slash ComposerQuest or Twitter.com slash ComposerQuest. I'll leave you with a sneak peek of a track that Pete's been working on with rapper Matt Eklund, based on one of Pete's Elephant tracks called Roses.
1: Living on the edge, I'm watching time fly by. The sun is on my back and one hand is in the sky. Hallelujah, but I never felt like this. life sweet as licorice, better than my first kiss. I traveled lots of miles, along the way lots of stumbles, and every time I tripped, I find a new way to feel humble. I felt a little pain, but that's the way the cracker crumbles. Now the cracker fills my belly every time it starts to rumble. If this life was a tree, I'd climb the branches to the top. Build a fort around the bottom so it never gets chopped. Down, it keeps growing. That's the way my life is going. Yeah, I got my fist clenched, but love's the only thing I'm holding.